Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. A lot of times when we're doing something big, we are building the plane while we are flying it. To me, this image comes up of walking on a bridge where each step pops up as you're walking on it, right? It's not fully built. And giving yourself the permission that that is okay. That you're gonna have moments where what you did failed, right? And that does not mean that you are a failure. It's just a moment to say, all right, what worked here? What didn't work here? And what can I put in place moving forward? Hey friends, it's Ash here, and I am so excited on the U-Turn podcast today to bring Tracy Podell in the work category. We are going to talk about how to manage your stress when you're a top performer. She helps startups scale without losing their soul. She is an executive coach, and we actually met at a coffee shop where she had kind of known my work, and we got into having a conversation, and halfway through, I thought, oh my gosh, you need to come on the show. So we're going to give some of her best practices for you to manage yourself and to manage your stress energy so that you can keep performing in the way that you're really designed to do. So before I go any further, Tracy, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that I recognized you in that coffee shop. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. Like my friends are like, Oh, look at you being all cool. Somebody recognizes you. I'm like, that never happens. Like that was not a usual situation. So I'm, I appreciate that you've been following all of the work and I'm really excited to kind of ask you what your journey was, where you got into helping startup scale and working as an executive and leadership coach, like what brought you here? Yeah. Well, you know, it's actually, it's a journey with many twists and turns. Um, so I'll give you a high level. I'm from the East coast and I started off as an actor and I went to NYU's drama school and I grew up doing theater in the village. Um, and I moved to LA. I just had this moment where it's like, oh my gosh, I, I have to move to LA. And I lasted about a year in the industry here. And I was like, screw it. This is not what I want to do with my life. I need more power over my success. And I applied for like a master's in social work. Um, and I applied for a social media internship at a startup. And that one picked up first. And it was 10 men and me. And one weekend we got 2 million users um, through a Facebook algorithm boost that went nuts on online video. And they were like, hey, we're going to hire you full time and give you a manager title and a good starting salary. And we're going to teach you everything. So I was like, okay. (laughs) And that's how my startup career happened. And 
we pivoted about three times before that company got acquired by Tinder. And I ended up um, consulting for startups in entertainment tech. And my last startup that I worked full time for was called Pluto TV, um, which was acquired by Viacom this year for $350 million. And so I've been through many different really interesting startup experiences. And in my last year at Pluto, I wasn't feeling really fulfilled. I was in marketing and I was jumping into you know, managing engineering meetings and setting up our OKRs. They were just kind of putting me where they thought I would be most useful. And I decided I was going to create a team around myself to figure out what I wanted to do next. So I created a women's career empowerment group to help me figure out what I wanted. And it was in that process that I did this amazing goal setting process with everyone and said, oh, I want to do this. I want to coach. And so that's, you know, when I started getting certified and all the self-development work I've been doing on the side kind of made sense. And my acting work finally made sense because it was something I didn't talk about for years because it was kind of embarrassing. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, I used to be an actor. Like nobody wants to hear that. Um, But all of that work and my improv background, like makes so much sense now in this work that I do in executive coaching. Mm, Okay. And when you think about stress, as a whole, I know that you've been in some very high stress environments, startups, you know, they're doing the maximum with the minimum, you know, resource wise. Mm-hmm. So that's a very stressful place to be in. And I'm, I'm curious, just kind of what is the first thought you're having when you sit down with a client and you realize they're a high achiever under a high amount of stress? Like, what is the first place your mind goes in navigating them or supporting them and releasing that? Yeah. So The first place my mind usually goes is recognizing that like, man, this is a high achiever, right? Mm. And then I, what I get curious about is do they see themselves that way? Yeah. I was actually going to ask you like, what does it even look like for you to define somebody as a high achiever? Because some people would say I'm a high achiever, but I actually have a lot of free time. And like, I take a lot of time to be social, to take a walk around the park, you know, like I, I'm not a workaholic and I'm happy about that. I work probably 25 hours a week. So, um, what does it mean? I think to be a high achiever, because I I assume a lot of people think that means that all you do is work. No, I think that's not the case. Although that is what most people assume, right? Exactly. There's two ways to look at it. One is like, what are are the results that you're getting? Uh Right. So you're like, I can get these results in 25 hours, right? Mm-hmm. I see that as a high achiever. Mm-hmm. The other is how many hours am I putting in? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen many people who are putting in like insane amount of hours, exhausting themselves and not getting the results. Mm-hmm. So the people that I work with tend to be people that are, you know, have been well recognized at their job. That's why they get a coach, you know, mm-hmm. at this day and age, you get a coach because you're someone that your company wants to invest in. So they've been promoted really quickly. They're getting really great results and they're usually taking on something bigger and higher than they ever had before. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're dealing with a huge degree of stress. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I usually see with my clients is a degree of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Do you know, it's funny. I, um, I met a guy on a leadership retreat and he asked, he's like, what is imposter syndrome? And he asked the group and we were like, and it's, this is like an executive leadership retreat. And we all looked at him and we were like, well, it's like when you get an opportunity, but you, you deep down don't actually think you have what it takes to do it. And you feel like an imposter 
in the opportunity, you know, like we were just trying to define it. And he's like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I've never experienced that. And I was like, shit, that's amazing. He like came out of the womb, just feeling qualified. But I know most people don't feel that. Like, how do you define it and how do you identify it in the workplace? And also what are some downsides of having it? Yeah, no, I define it as lack of belief in yourself, like an unfounded fear that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. The most simplest terms. Mm-hmm. And I see this, you know, I'm not entirely surprised that a man was like, hey, I've never felt that. Um, because men experience imposter syndrome, but I think women experience it at higher rates. Mm-hmm. Original executive coaching said, the OG, which is Marshall Goldsmith, said, you know, a CEO's biggest downfall is that he has too much confidence in himself. And I was like, who's he talking about? I don't see that with the women that I'm working with. And what you know, later he came out with another book around women CEOs <laughs> and basically saying, you know, their biggest downfall is they don't believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I went off on a little tangent on that no, right there. No, that's <laughs> no tangent. I mean, honestly, I'm the queen of tangents, so I'll go right with you. But I, I guess it's like, you know, an unfounded fear. A lot of people just believe their fear. Like, you know, maybe they don't have experience because there's, there's a huge conditioning I'm noticing. And I'm sure you have too, where, especially among millennials, it's like this belief that, that you have to have experience in order to be qualified, but it's such a chicken before the egg uh-huh. thing, you know, it's like, um, and what I've found time and time again is that people who have huge opportunities usually step in and kind of build the plane while they fly it. Exactly. Um, so that is ex- exactly what that is. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just want to hear a little more about like, what does it look like when somebody has imposter syndrome, but kind of manages it and releases it? Or what can somebody who's, who's listening right now do if they have it, but deep down, maybe they know it's a fear, you know? Yeah. I think you pointed out something that's really crucial, which is that a lot of times when we're doing something big, we are building the plane while we are flying it. To me, this image comes up of walking on a bridge where each step pops up as you're walking on it, right? It's not fully built. And giving yourself the permission that that is okay. Mm-hmm. That you're going to have moments where what you did failed, right? And that does not mean that you are a failure. Mm-hmm. It's just a moment to say, all right, what worked here? What didn't work here? And what can I put in place moving forward? Mm-hmm. And allowing yourself to feel like you're enough and that you're powerful, even though you don't know exactly what you're doing yet, is the key. Mm -hmm. Because that's how you're going to figure out what you're doing. You haven't done it yet, you know, and that is okay. Mm -hmm. So, So, well, okay. So you're, you're looking at somebody and you're saying, this is a top performer. This is an achiever, high uh achiever. Um, they're probably stressed because that's just literally an epidemic, you know, endemic in this culture. What would be the next place you go with them? The next place I go is into mindset. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like when they are triggered and their body goes into fight or flight and into that stress place and then their brain goes, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I distinguish between being powerful, which means when we're in a place where we feel like we're creating our world, we're in responsibility, we're expansive, we're open, We're tapped into, if you're spiritual at all, what I call your inner leader, right? Mm -hmm. The part of you that you want to be running the show. Mm -hmm. And then where most humans spend about 80% of our time, which is in powerless, Mm -hmm. where we're feeling like a victim, where we're feeling 
completely overwhelmed, where some of us might shut down, um, those not enough thoughts show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to stress how human that is because we have like up to 80,000 thoughts per day and about 80% of them will be negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we're in that zone, it's really easy for your boss to say something at work or your coworker to say something and for it to occur to your body like a threat. Mm-hmm. Like evolutionary terms, we are wired to go into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. But what will happen is instead of reacting to a tiger, you know, which we should go into fight or flight to save ourselves, we'll react to a piece of feedback or criticism like, like it's a tiger, mm-hmm. like literally in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And then our, you know, the blood goes to our amygdala and takes it away from our neocortex, which is the part of our brain that wants to be doing the problem solving and memory and negotiation and planning and the things that we really need in order to do our job well. So I'll work with my clients to tap into what powerful feels like in their body and what thoughts are associated with that um, and recognize when they're in powerless. Because once we can recognize it, then we have the opportunity to shift. Mm-hmm. And what are some traits of someone who you think has a very healthy relationship to their triggers? Like, are there certain things you're seeing in the workplace where you're like, oh, this is a high achiever with a really good mindset? Yeah. Um, I like to call it a resilient mindset where they are able to forgive themselves. They're able to be like, okay, this happens. It doesn't mean that I'm horrible, right? A lot of times we'll be like, because this thing didn't work, that means I'm a failure. Instead of just being like, that thing didn't work. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that they will stop and pause. Mm-hmm. Whatever pause looks like for them. Meditate, walk, breathe on its basis. We have a client like breathe on the most um, basic level, right? We have a client who has the word pause written on her wrist. Mm. So it's, they take the time to realign so they can be empowerful and they really reflect. Like they take moments to be like, all right, is this my shit coming up? And how do I want to handle this? Mm -hmm. Two really useful questions. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and I know that sometimes when we see red, like as leaders or as high achievers or not so high achievers, I'm going to shout them out too, like all good, you know? Yeah, Because totally. I mean, it's so interesting, like as somebody who has a growth mindset, sometimes I feel like in uh, the culture of people who are growth driven, it's like we keep wanting to grow things or be things because it's our natural desire is to move and grow. But there's also like a respect that I've cultivated over the years of like the person who doesn't want to do any of it. I'm like, cool. You're, you're in totally your, your human like, experience. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, like, are you fulfilled? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's and it. success might look totally different for someone else. And like, amen for them for defining what success looks like instead of being like, it's gotta be more, it's gotta be more, it's gotta be more. Exactly. And it, and it can be so addictive. And so, um, for somebody who you think has that healthy mindset in the workplace, you were saying that they are resilient. What are some other indicators of, you know, cause I know that some, a lot of clients I've had, some of them have great bosses, some of them not so great. And I can see certain trends. Like, um, what are some examples would you say of, of a leader? Like what are some traits that you're seeing beyond resilience? Yeah. A leader is somebody that other people are inspired to follow, Mm. not because they are told to, or because of a title, um, but because they inspire other people, Mm. they know their values and they walk their talk. Mm. Right. 
I've had many different types of leaders. I've had the domineering, aggressive ones. And then I've had the ones that hold their power. But the biggest way that they built trust was in admit, admitting when they did something wrong mm. or when something wasn't working and they took responsibility for it. Yeah. So against the conditioning, because I know some work environments aren't the most healthy culture and people are literally afraid to make a mistake, which mm -hmm. is just so insane. There's not like an emotional safety for people to be human beings, which is what we are, no matter what we want to be. So I guess talk to me about that person who maybe, you know, they're a high achiever, but they are really stressed out and it is, it is eating at them because I have plenty of clients I know who, you know, they're running something really big, perhaps it's a startup, but they're burnt out and they're running really thin and their relationship is falling apart because they're so stressed, you know, like what, what, what are some steps for these humans? <laughs> One of the things I say for everyone I work with who's doing big things is you don't do it alone. You've got to create a team for yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a lot of different versions of that, what that could look like. If there's really no one in your work environment that you can build that trust with, like I would go there first. Like who can you build trust with? Who can you build relationship with so that they know you're on their team and vice versa? Mm -hmm. Because those are the people that when you're stressed, you can go talk to. Those are the ones that will remind you of your greatness. And then if you can't do that, you want to create a team of people who are doing similar things in your lives, whether it's a group of executives that are going through the same thing or a group of having, you know, if you're a woman and you're managing work and being a mom and your relationship, having people you can call and talk to about that, that you're checking in with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So and again, people that can remind you who you are. Um, the other part is just creating team in general. Like, do you have a virtual assistant? <laughs> um, are you delegating? Are you, or are you not delegating because you're sticking to doing the things that like you did really well, like two years ago and you feel really good about that. Right. Mm. I see that with a lot of new executives. They want to keep doing that like execution skill set instead of delegating and actually managing. Mm -hmm. So are you utilizing the team that you have? And then there's a lot of like, what are you saying yes to? And what are you saying no to? Right. You have to be able to prioritize and be like, these are the most important things. Mm. And this is whether you are the person at the top or you're reporting to the person at the top. Because, I mean, the environments I work with are super high stress. We're launching new products. We're pivoting. We're dealing with investors. We have to like hit certain numbers and we're all again, building the plane while we, while we fly it. And so you have to have that like clarity of expectation because not everything's going to get done. And you got to say, here's what I think is most important. Here's what I don't, this isn't going to happen. And this is now going to happen by this time. Because if you're not in communication about that with your team, then you're just, that's just going to be a weight of guilt sitting on you, which is so, such a heavy cognitive load Yeah. Um, that it, you're going to burn out even faster. Because like so much of exhaustion is just the own crap that's going on in our head, mm -hmm. our own fear, our own guilt, our own, oh my God, I haven't got that thing done yet. Because mm -hmm. guess what? There are always going to be a million things that have not gotten done yet. And if we let all of those weigh on ourselves, right? We're going to be so heavy. We're not going to be able to actually do the work that we need to do in like a productive flow state. Mm -hmm. 
So the trick here is shifting our relationship to what is what I call incomplete, right? What hasn't happened yet, what's not done yet. So because it's always going to be a list and being in communication about it. Okay, this is helpful. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N-Podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And kind of looking at, because um, you kind of talked, for those of you listening, we were talking before we started recording about just little blips of things that she thinks about as it relates to high stress and being an achiever. And you talked about this idea of managing yourself and coming from a place of enough or not enough. Can you talk about that dynamic? Yeah. Think of there our day-to-day what motivates us. For a lot of people they are motivated by not failing or by not looking bad or by not fucking up. And usually the thought or fear under that is the fear of I'm not enough. Mm. And so if I achieve this promotion or this amount of money in my business, then I will be enough and then I will feel good and then I will be happy and then I will be fulfilled. Mm. And what I see over and over is people hit that success And almost immediately, they're like, oh, shit, like, what's next? (laughs) Um, Here's even a bigger challenge I have to take on in my new responsibility. Or, hey, I don't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so I think that comes down to the self-management of what is motivating you. Mm -hmm. Are you coming from, hey, I want to get to a place so that I can be enough? Because guess what? You'll you'll never get there if that's where your head's at. Mm -hmm. Or are you coming from... What's my purpose? What's the impact I want to have in the world? What do I want to experience in my life? And when we're coming from that place, we have a whole lot more energy. Mm. I don't know if you ever experienced this in your nine to five days, but waking up and just not wanting to go to work. Yeah. I mean, God. Dreading it. Yeah. It's it's interesting, especially because the work day doesn't, necessarily honor the rhythm of different people's bodies you know like I was just listening to a sleep expert recently and he was talking about and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast that it's um genetic as to whether we're a morning person or not and Mm -hmm. it just goes to show I mean the work day is really built especially on a masculine chronological calendar you know like um versus you know I don't know. I even think about women and how we get our periods and our bodies are more sensitive and we need different things because of our hormones. It's like, um, you know, what if the work week was built on a woman and her, her, her literal cycle, you know, it's like there's yeah, so many absolutely. different ways to have a work week. And right now we are very structured within one. So I'm going on a total tangent with you now, but no, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a really great point. And there's a lot of companies experimenting, being with the four-day work week or working from home and so forth. But one of the things to tie it back to I'm not enough and like managing yourself, if you're coming from I'm not enough, then you're not going to prioritize taking care of yourself. Yes. 
Yeah. Right. And what happens when you do that is you burn out. So if you're coming from like, I'm a great leader, you know, I am enough, then you can, pri- this is what I need in order to function. I need this amount of sleep. I used to go in the middle of the workday and meditate in my car for 20 minutes in the afternoon. So good. What a nice little I had to, 20 minute I'd moment. I'd tell people, right? Because I'd come back in looking a little hazy and they'd be like, did you just get high in your car? And I was like, no, I did not. I meditated. <laughs> I meditated. Um, and, and what's cool about that is you also create that as a cultural norm for the other people that you work with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you, so kind of going back to like worthiness, like, enough or not enough. It's like, um, what are some steps that you recommend people look into if they're in that place of like, I'm not enough. I'm not enough for this job. I don't have enough skills for this client. I'm not enough for this company. Where do they go from there? Yeah. One of the first things I love to do is I give my clients an inner leader visualization. It's on my website. You can get it at tracypodell.com. And it is one of the, the most effective tools for about, I'd say 80% of people, right. Who connect with, with visualization mm-hmm. for connecting to your most grounded, powerful self. Mm. And you don't have to believe in like spirit guides or like super with things to connect with this part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also looking at this idea under managing yourself of, you know, you work through being enough or not enough feeling that, you know, being on both sides of that illusion, you know, um, uh-huh. because there's, there's also the extreme of people think they're better than people like I'm, but usually that's rooted in insecurity of not being worthy. So it's, it's comes in many masks, right? Like I'm amazing uh-huh. and narcissists tend to be the most insecure person in the room, but appear the most secure. So there, there's so many dynamics in place here. Um, I, I also just love this concept of adaptive confidence. You know, we were talking about building the plane while you fly it. What do you think it takes as a leader or what are you noticing people have when they tend to exhibit adaptive confidence where they're allowing themselves to learn while they're doing something? Because that takes a very special type of person. A lot of people will say, I've never done it before, and thus I'm not going to go do it. Versus um, I'm the type of person that's like, oh, I've never done it, and I'm going to figure it out as I do it. You know? I think the, the you know, as Marie Forleo says, like everything is figure outable mindset is really helpful here. And one of the things that I see um, people do is they, they reach out and they talk to people who've done it before. They talk to other people who are doing it now and they're not afraid to be like, Hey, I'm not sure how to do this. Here's what I think. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other part I want to add on is that a lot of times people won't, will be scared to share their opinions or their thoughts because they don't think they have enough experience. Mm -hmm. When at the same time they've been put in this position because other people see they're, you know, how valuable they are and how much they could bring. Mm-hmm. So being able to bring your ideas to the table and share and like trust yourself to validate your own thoughts and your own opinions, I think is in- incredibly valuable. And then couple that with having a support system and reaching out to people. When I first started in marketing, um, I went on LinkedIn and saw someone else who went from being a lawyer to being a marketer at a big company that just got acquired by Google. And I reached out and I was like, Hey, how did you do this transition for yourself? Like what were the books you read? What, you know, what were your key takeaways? And I created like every time I've gotten a new job and career transitioned, 
like it was through building those relationships mm. and it was through not being afraid to reach out and learn from other people. Mm. Okay. This is helpful. And you know, another thing that you keep pointing out is this curiosity. Like it seems like leaders and high achievers that want to manage stress or want to rise into an experience they've never done before is they seem to be willing to uh, expose themselves as newbies. And it doesn't, there's a very fine line, I think, between shining a spotlight on an insecurity versus addressing weakness. And it sounds like a lot of these people you're pointing out, they're not afraid to say, Hey, I would love your feedback or, Hey, what, what do you think? Um, and I also want to ask you about self-care because you'd pointed out that that's a trademark of managing yourself. And I think it's such a trendy term that a lot of people don't even know what it means anymore to practice self-care. What, what would you define that as? I define that as first is just the basics, like the biological basics. Are you eating, right? Are you eating three times a day and are you getting protein and are you getting vegetables? Or are you just like a lot of startups, people will just uh, drink Soylent and Red Bull and that's their diet mm-hmm. and, um, you know, cold brew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that doesn't, that, that doesn't work long-term and you're like, oh, that's normal because everyone else is doing it. The other is sleep. Mm-hmm. You've got to be getting sleep. I remember I had a boss and his Twitter handle was his name underscore never sleeps. Mm-hmm. Like he was so proud that he never slept. And it's like, what kind of culture that does that create in your company? You actually need that. Mm-hmm. And you need to take breaks, mm-hmm. right? If you just went through, there are times, especially in startups where you're launching a new product and everyone's going to be there till midnight for two weeks and that happens. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable long-term. And you need to be able to be like, all right, I'm, I'm taking a week off or actually take your vacation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, but there's so many people who like do not take their vacation, even yeah. if they work at a company like Netflix where they have unlimited, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that and then doing some sort of body self-care, right? So it can look like a massage. It can look like acupuncture. It can look like an energy worker. It can look like just dancing around your room, right? Ecstatic dance is a big thing here in Los Angeles. Um, But anything that grounds you in your body takes you out of your mind. And especially for high achievers, we spend a lot of times in our head. And my coach always says, um, your head is like a dangerous neighborhood. You don't want to go there alone. You know, you don't want to go there alone at night uh-huh. because talking, talking to yourself is completely fruitless in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. So anything that grounds us in our bodies, um, is incredibly valuable. And I know it sounds like very bougie to be like, get a massage and get it at least once a month. But like, if you can do it and sometimes your insurance will cover it, do it as often as possible because it takes something to sustain at the level that a lot of us are sustaining. Mm -hmm. So true. And kind of going into, I know when I look at leaders and high achievers, there's a lot of stress most of the time when it, it relates to other people, like stress with a tough personality, stress with setting boundaries and saying no, stress with, um, having too, too much on your plate and being able to ask for help. Um, what feedback do you have for somebody who's a high achiever that is having a lot of stress because of interpersonal relationships at work? I'm so glad you said that because that is one of the most stressful parts of work, yeah. right? Showing up in an office with other people that you may or may not have chosen to be with, with all of your insecurity and all of their insecurity and the high stress and the potential competition coming up. Like I've, 
for one, I'm, I'm so happy that like I get to choose when I work with other people when I don't, I don't have to all day do that in an office anymore. Um, but those relationships sometimes are the most stressful part of the job, right? You can do your job well, but other people is the hardest part. So I think it's really important a to, to know like what your powerless triggers are and your fears about yourself, because a lot of times we'll project those onto other people, right? I'm scared that I'm not doing good enough. And then whenever my boss says anything to me, I interpret that as he thinks I suck and I'm about to get fired. Mm. I've seen people get promoted and get huge bonuses. And the next week they're, they're still like, Oh, I'm scared. I'm going to get fired. I'm like, what? <laughs> you just got acknowledged by the CEO. Um, so that's part of it, right? Is owning what part is your projection onto them. And then the other is really investing time to create trust in your relationships. Trust is the basis of any high-functioning culture. It's what allows people to be able to give feedback and be creative and take risks. And part of how we do that is, like I said earlier, is in opening up to people. And part of it is in assuming positive intent. So this is a phrase that comes up a lot in executive coaching. You, you know, people have different styles and they trigger you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we want to be like, that person is awful. I just don't want to work with them. So on and so forth. But that really doesn't get us anywhere. It just cuts off the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so part of this is, is taking a step back and saying, okay, what do I want for my environment? Right. What do I want people around me to experience? Like I said earlier, freedom and power. Those are two of mine. Mm -hmm. What would it look like for this for this relationship to be an experience where we both feel freedom and power? Mm. So that's one mindset shift. The other is, what do I need to give up about this person, the story that I'm making up, right? I'm making up that this person hates me, that this person's constantly judging me, that this person is, you know, we're never going to be able to work well together because that is some of that stuff that's standing in the way. And then the other is if I assume this person had the most like best positive intent behind what they did, even if it was something really, really crappy that they did, right? Mm -hmm. What would that be? Mm. And that allows me to actually get on the same page with someone because I'm not coming to them and making them wrong, which is like something that happens when we're powerless, mm -hmm. right? We're being defensive. We really want to be right. A lot of times we'd rather be right than actually have a good relationship with someone versus going into being open and being curious and assuming positive intent. Mm -hmm. What is this person really committed to? Hey, they really want this company to succeed. And they really want to make sure that the priorities are in the right place. Mm -hmm. It's got absolutely nothing to do with me, right? Um, and that gives space. So good. Okay. And I love this idea of declaring the impact you want to have in your environment, because I think a lot of people, they're in work and they know they want to be impactful, but they haven't thought before they sit down at their desk or they get that new job. Who, what do I want people's experience of me to be? Um, and, and you said it was freedom and power, correct? For me, that's the one that really resonates with me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And I encourage people not to think of it separately. What do other, how do other people experience me? Right. Mm -hmm. But how do, how do I experience myself? And like, what's the experience we all have together? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Useful information. And 
I, I mean, there's this idea of creating a trusting team and releasing stories, you know, and, and assuming positive intent, which is just good communication, right? Like, even with my boyfriend, it's like when we have a tiff, I'm like, okay, I need to assume that he's not trying to upset me, you know? But, you know, what are some other tools that you can suggest for people when it comes to creating trust in their team? Because I know that this is probably one of the biggest barriers people have. Yeah, I think when we're creating trust, a lot of times we'll get the team together outside of work, right? You know, traditionally this is an offsite, but a space where people are actually not working on the work, but they're working on their relationships. Mm. And there's, you want to be able to start with some form of check-in where people can share where they're at and what's coming up for them. Mm. And I actually like to start all my meetings this way. You know, what is the question being, what is it like to be you today? Mm -hmm. And that can just be checking in. All right. Where am I mentally, physically, and emotionally? It builds self-awareness in your team. And it also builds relatedness. So that if the person is sitting over there, like with his head in his hands, like I'm not like, oh, he doesn't want to be there. Because when he checked in, he said, oh, I couldn't sleep last night, you know, (laughs) and I'm I'm really tired. And so I don't have to make up a story around it. And it creates that relatedness. Mm -hmm. Okay. This has been so helpful. Where can everyone find you if they want to work with you? What do you have going on over there? Yeah. So uh, you can find me at tracypodell.com and at evolution.team. Tracy Podell is T-R-A-C-Y-P-O-D-E-L-L.com. And what I have coming up next is I'm doing an event called Vision 2020, Taking Your Life to the Next Level on January 18th in Los Angeles. And it's a one-day retreat. And it's for high achievers with the idea of being, you know you can achieve goals, but what does it look like to love your life while you're doing it? Mm. Mm-hmm. And my coaching question behind it is how good do you want to have it? Love that. Such a good question. So many people actually would be surprised to realize that there's some part of them that doesn't want it to be that good. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. They don't deserve it. Yeah. What would they do if they actually got it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This has been so great. Um, and I just so appreciate you coming on and talking about how you're helping so many leaders. I know you've worked with companies like Slack and Coursera and so many more. So thanks again for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, it's Ash here. And I'm reflecting on the episode with Tracy Podell. It was so much fun to meet her at the coffee shop that I go to and to just kind of like connect and learn about what she's up to and invite her on the podcast. And I love this topic of stress and one area that she, not to say that I love stress, but I do love healing stress because stress is such a energy suck and leak. And one thing that she said that really stuck out to me was she talked about people who feel like they did something wrong and like holding on to that. And I think one of the biggest stressors is in hiding or suppressing um, versus accepting. And, you know, it could be something really small, like maybe you made a little mistake at work and you're just not telling anyone and that's stressing you out and releasing your, you know, leaking out your energy. Maybe it's something really big um, and you don't want to face it, whatever it is. I would say the biggest hack to a life that's more stress-free is acceptance. Um, I was just looking at Eckhart Tolle 
on Instagram. Uh, and those of you who have not read him, I just absolutely love Eckhart and his Power of Now book um, is everything. But my favorite book of his actually was not Power of Now. It was um, A New Earth. And he talks about how the beginning of, of um, peace and is acceptance. And I, we've heard different versions of this before without a doubt but he says when you live in complete acceptance of what is that is the end of all drama in your life and so my question for you right now is where are you not living in complete acceptance of what is and how is that creating drama in your workplace that you're not choosing to do that so maybe it's that you maybe you're stressed because you work with somebody who isn't helpful maybe you're stressed because you took a project on that isn't working for you whatever it is my invitation for you would be to start to name it um, at any given moment also we often are bothered by something and we don't even realize what's bothering us or throwing us off and you know in psychology personal development we call that a trigger so if you're feeling off kilter, if you feel like your peace is disturbed, figure out, like, ask yourself, like, whoa, my peace feels disturbed. Like, what even is it? What am I thinking about? Or what thought am I having that is bothering me? Far too often, we are bothered and we don't question or get curious about what it is. And when we actually take a look at the thing, a couple things can happen. Number one, we can realize that whatever it is, maybe it's not something that's that big of a deal and we don't have to feel stressed about it. And then you get to go from life living you to you living life, you choosing if you're going to allow that stress in and let that stress be there for you. Um, you know, and the other thing that can happen is you can realize that that's something you have to tend to and take action on. Um, yes, I, I think it's important to keep things to yourself. Sometimes at work, you don't want to overshare and privacy is important. Um, but I think the line of vulnerability at work is taking a look at what's personal versus what's private. And, I think sometimes if something at work is stressing you out and it's an issue that you have to work on or somebody else has to work on, maybe it feels really personal to you. And that's okay. I think sharing that with somebody that can support you in the workplace, whether it's like an issue with a coworker that actually needs to be fixed, maybe you need to talk to your boss, maybe you need to talk to HR, that feels personal. Um, whereas maybe you're having something going on with your health that you're not ready yet to tell work, that feels private. So I think tuning into what feels personal, what feels private, and then sharing and getting things out there so that you're not suppressing or hiding. And, and before you do any of that, questioning what the thought is of what's disturbing your peace so that you can even choose if it deserves to disturb your peace, which, you know, Eckhart Tolle would say nothing really does. I would say sometimes, you know, some things are worth, I guess, being a little stressed about, but you know, all stress really is, is a control issue. And the sooner we can accept what is, the sooner we can get grounded and find peace, which is to me, the most powerful place you can be in your life to make choices from. So uh, I appreciate you on this show so much. And I hope that you love this episode as much as I did. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, 
and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.